Optimism. That is something Tony Elliott was selling on Virginia football after their loss at Miami. Are we buying it? We explained our thoughts, part one of the Fast Lane. They'll be up shortly where you listen to podcasts. But we get an expert's take right now in part two of the Fast Lane and part one of covering the Commonwealth. Yep, we're copying this idea. Covering the Commonwealth, a look at the locally interesting teams and stories from the experts who cover them. Let's start with the Virginia Cavaliers. With JerryRatcliffe.com founder and contributor, Hootie Ratcliffe. Hootie, optimism for Virginia football in spite of the 29-26 overtime loss at Miami. Are you with us? Do you see signs for optimism from this team? Well, Ed, they're, they're playing better. Uh, taking games, uh, taking opponents, you know, to deep into the fourth quarter and obviously one on the road at, at Carolina the week before, but I guess a little of that glitter was taken off by what Georgia Tech did to the Tar Heels this past Saturday night. But, uh, yeah, I, I think there's room for optimism. They, they've they shown that they can probably play with just about anybody remaining on the schedule. It's just a matter of whether they can pull off the win and you know that's the hard part and certainly they're an improved football team they have confidence it's just uh you know they they still continue to make enough mistakes to where it bites them in the end like the pick six the other day was probably the difference in the game so they can compete hard and and play with anybody it's just a matter of whether they can finish teams off or not Finishing teams off, it has eluded Virginia at least on three obvious occasions. Heck, four obvious occasions. Three entering the Miami game, JMU, NC State, and Boston College. How much of that is a mental thing that starts with the coaches creating a level of belief amongst the team? That's a good question, and I don't know if I can answer that or not. I think the coaches have been very positive throughout this entire season trying to keep this team up and believing that it that it can win it it has to learn how to win and, and you know that's not always as easy as it appears that's something that george welsh used to talk about a lot was teams having to learn how to win i, I think this team is learning but it's a slow process and you know it it gives you some encouragement for the future um but uh you know it, it's hard to tell whether it's going to translate into wins as we head into November. They've got four teams, four games left. They can play with all these teams. It's a matter of whether they can find a way to win or not. JerryRatcliffe.com founder and contributor Jerry Hootie Ratcliffe. Hootie, we've made this point about Virginia Tech, and we'll make it with Virginia Bass or football as well. How reasonable is it for fans to expect that out of their program? Not that they can compete with a team like Florida State, who's a top five team in the country, but that they can at least compete with the majority of ACC teams who, even with Coastal Chaos eliminated, seem to create the idea that, well, most of these are very winnable games if you just play competent football. Yeah, I would think that they certainly can play with Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech and Duke, uh, three of the four teams they have left. Uh, you have to say they're all winnable games if you can perform at your best and, and eliminate some of the mistakes that have cost them. Uh, going out to Louisville is certainly not going to be easy. I think we may have all underestimated Louisville. 
they could end up being in the ACC championship game, and Virginia doesn't play well out there. But I think we'll learn a lot more about this team Saturday when they play Georgia Tech. Uh, early on, it looked like a very winnable game for Virginia, and it still does. But Georgia Tech certainly has improved as well and has discovered some offensive weapons that are going to present a challenge for Virginia on Saturday. Jerry, last one for you. Is it reasonable to say that Jacob Wilkins, who's a four-star recruit, he's a top 25 recruit actually in the class of 2025 and will decide uh, tomorrow, Halloween night at 5.30 p.m. between Georgia and Virginia. This is going to be my snarky comment here. He's a four-star, so he's got a chance, right, to land in Charlottesville? Well, yeah. I mean, if you read the national experts, they all have him predicted as going to Georgia. Uh, I know his dad, Dominique, is strongly tied to that school, and certainly they're from there, uh, living in the Atlanta area, so not that far away from Athens. Um, you know, he has a half-brother here on, on the Virginia staff in Isaiah, and Virginia has a few more banners hanging in its arena than Georgia does. So I, I think Virginia's got a shot, but it sounds like um, – if you listen to the national experts, that Virginia is the underdog in this race. Honesty. You get it from Jerry Ratcliffe of jerryratcliffe.com. Hootie, thank you for your time today in the fast lane. Much appreciated. Yes, sir, Ed. We'll see you next week. Now to the Virginia Tech Hokies. Hokie, hokie, hokie high. David Cunningham of techsideline.com. David, we mentioned that the standard, as low as this may sound, is for teams like Virginia Tech to at least take care of business against very beatable teams in the ACC. Have we turned a corner? That might be an understatement for, about Syracuse is I mean, beatable. Uh, yeah, they, they are leaking oil. But have we reached a point where this is a reasonable expectation, once again, for Virginia Tech football, which is beat the teams you're more than capable of beating? Hey, Ed, great to be with you. Yeah, I, I think so. I think we've reached that point where Virginia Tech has shown a little bit after playing Wake Forest, after playing Pitt, that it can beat the teams it's supposed to beat, like Syracuse. That's a game Virginia Tech should have won, and it did. That's an accomplishment. Now, I will say, the, the that was a beating, and the way that the Hokies did it was very impressive. Same thing goes for Wake Forest and Pitt. Um, the Hokies are not just winning those games, they're completely outplaying those teams, in some ways suffocating them. The fact that the Hokies had... Uh, 15 sacks in the last two games against Wake Forest uh, and Syracuse says a lot. Um, now the challenge is Louisville. This is a very good Louisville team that somehow is tied for second place in the ACC with Virginia Tech. I don't think after Virginia Tech was 1-3 and three after that Marshall loss that I'd be sitting here saying Ed and Trey, this team for Virginia Tech has an opportunity to play Louisville for second place in the ACC. But here we are. Now, this is the matchup we've kind of all been waiting for, a good big test for the Hokies. Will they be up for it? We won't find out until Saturday. No, we will not, but we are getting closer for Virginia Tech. And this is a topic you and your colleagues, Andy Bitter and Chris Coleman, friends of ours here from TechSideline.com, all discussed in the latest TSL podcast. Bowl eligibility. 
Is that more than reasonable now to expect out of a 4-4 four four Virginia Tech team that has games after Louisville at Boston College, home against NC State, and at Blacksburg Northeast, Charlottesville, Virginia? Smooth. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, yeah, that's good. No, I mean, that's kind of exactly what it is. I, I think bowl eligibility should be the goal now. Uh, I think people might get a little bit carried away with, oh, Virginia Tech has a chance to play for an AC championship game. I think that's a little far-fetched. Let's be patient. If Virginia Tech does something special on Saturday at Louisville, then the conversations can maybe start. Uh, I, I think that's still the biggest test. Boston College has looked better, but still beatable. NC State's looked better, still beatable. Same with UVA. Obviously, took Miami down to the wire last weekend. Big win against North Carolina. Bowl eligibility should be the goal, though. And this is, again, not a gauntlet. It's not like... Duke and and Florida State are lined up back to back the rest of the way, right? So it's like like Louisville's good, but it's not a four game gauntlet where game in and game out, Virginia Tech's not going to have a chance. Virginia Tech is probably going to be favored in in three of these games. The one that Tech's not going to be favored in is Louisville on Saturday. This is a good opportunity to put a statement out there, not on Saturday, but also to finish out the season strong. Virginia Tech has turned the corner in the last couple weeks. If the Hokies can continue the momentum and get to a bowl game, heck, maybe even win seven games, there's going to be a lot of conversation about the positivity and what the future could look like, considering Virginia Tech could potentially return every single starter on the offensive side of the ball. That is scary to think about considering how well Tech has played over the last couple of weeks. I mean, people could go to Charlotte for the Duke's Mayo Bowl. I've seen that projection for Virginia Tech. I'm just saying, you know, Charlotte, there's two ways to get to Charlotte. Uh, you know, David Cunningham, future Duke's Mayo Bowl, going to get the Mayo dumped on him. I'm calling it now. Huh, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see. I, I tell you what, though, like, like that is a legit thing now. And I think it's crazy to think about how a couple weeks ago, Virginia Tech and the fans, nobody was thinking about a bowl game. Everybody was thinking about, are the offensive and defensive coordinators going to get replaced? And I was even on here, I'm sure, talking about that. Uh, I, I think it's crazy how much things change in, in a short amount of time. Virginia Tech was terrible in that loss to Marshall at the end of September. And now the Hokies are 4-4, four and four, tied for second in the ACC, and have a chance to not just go to a bowl game, but make the ACC championship game? That is crazy to think about. And credit to Brett Pry, the coaching staff, especially Chris Marvin, Tyler Bone, the defensive and offensive coordinators, and the team for sticking together. A lot of things have been said about this team. A lot of people have doubted them, at times even me, and I'm sure you guys. But they've stuck together, and they've got a good chance to finish up the season very, very strong. I'm very excited to see where this team goes. That guy answering it professionally shows why David Cunningham is the best in the business. There you go, Trey. Just setting it up on a tee for David Cunningham of TechSideline.com. Meanwhile, um, I mean, look, we got to pick this bone. How do you botch the inner Sandman? They don't have the Johnny Cash song. I don't think they had Zayd Wolf before that. Uh, you know, and ESPN had no lead up to this on Thursday night against Syracuse. Now, it didn't impact the performance on the field, of course. Tech wins by 28, but still, I mean, that's got to be something that if you're thinking about the last home game of the year against NC State, doesn't that have to get a little bit more refined for a program that's, uh, well, they've only done this for a while now? Yeah, I, I think that's a couple conversations that some people in Virginia Tech Athletics might want to have with some of those folks. And it kind of stinks. Um, 
I, I think I, I obviously was there. I did not watch the broadcast, but there was a point during Entertainment where I kind of looked up to see what the TV was doing, and I saw Dan Mullen, and I don't think I should be seeing Dan Mullen during Entertainment. No offense to him and ESPN. Um, he was jumping at I, least. I heard a lot of... Yeah, I heard a lot of complaints about it. Um, it's very disappointing, especially considering Entertainment and how much hype it gets and then how exciting it is and how, how many people kind of tune in for that. Everybody wants to see that Thursday night. Nevertheless, I think just the beatdown Virginia Tech gave Syracuse, tremendous talking point going forward, tremendous recruiting point going forward. Tech had plenty of recruits there. I think that is a building block. You just won on Thursday night for the first time at home since 2016. That is huge. Continue that momentum. You had a lot of eyes on you on Thursday. Can you can you beat Louisville? Can you beat a really good team that has been in the top 25 this year? I think that's the next step. It's a, it's a very reasonable next step, much like it's the next best step for our listeners. If they haven't already, to go to techsideline.com or hit up the real DConA on Twitter and Instagram, or better yet, do both. David, thank you for your time today in the fast lane. We will talk some men's and women's basketball at some point, but the football team gave us plenty to dominate our conversation today. Sounds good, Ed. Talk to you soon. Now to the Liberty Flames. Nick Pierce, sideline reporter, Liberty Flames Sports Network, and with us once again here in the fast lane. Nick, um, pressure's on you. We've had Alan York the last couple times, and the Flames have come out on fire, particularly with big road victories against Jacksonville State and Western Kentucky. What mojo can you bring to us today in the fast lane, Nick, to ensure that Liberty keeps their winning ways going against Louisiana Tech this coming Saturday evening? Wow, uh, that's quite the that's quite the starter there. I'm not sure that I can bring any mojo that would match that of Alan York, but uh, I'll do my best. How about that? We will take all of the efforts you provide, as you do regularly on the sidelines for the Liberty Flames. Their biggest test this year, arguably, at Jacksonville State after a disappointing game against Sam Houston State. They won, but it was a, a real tough ending or a tough way they had to hold on at the end. And similarly, they had a closer than expected, sloppier than wanted performance against Middle Tennessee and they go on the road and after the opening drive really handle Western Kentucky. What does it say about how quickly things are coming together for this team in year one of the Jamie Chabell era? Well, it's hard to win football games regardless of who you're playing them against and and what venue you're playing them in but the irony is it seems like this team tends to want to play better on the road. At least that's been what it's shown here the last few weeks. You think about going to FIU at the end of September, winning that game 38-6, to and you think about the games you just referenced, the win at Western Kentucky last week. The offense puts up 42 points. The dominant second half at Jacksonville State a few weeks ago. Uh, not sure what the rhyme or reason is for that, but I, I think to answer your question, it just says that this is a team that's pretty bought into the coaching staff, a team that's playing for one another and finding ways to get it done even when it's closer than expected. That's a positive for Liberty, and they certainly have found a way to put all that together. They've got kind of a mini buy. They had the game last Tuesday. They don't play again till this coming Saturday. What does that do to help refocus this team? I don't know if it's so much a refocus as it is just a chance to get a few extra days, maybe to get guys healthy. Uh, you know, they've been without a guy or two here and there. Uh, the secondary receiver, this guy's with Nixon bruises now two-thirds of the way through the season. So I know they, they took a couple of days there or one day 
off and then you know they had still some meetings and practice and, and so forth but just kind of a, a way to stretch it out a little preparation for Louisiana Tech but they're back into full game week mode now and got to think that they're motivated because a win this weekend would get them a conference championship game in Lynchburg on December the 1st. They know that they punched the ticket to the title game. Now, as Coach Chabwell pointed out after the game last or last Tuesday, rather, they want to host the thing, and a win on Saturday night would do that. That's the next carrot for the Liberty Flames. Nick Pierce with us here in the fast lane. Nick, last one for you. We mentioned the carrot of Liberty. What's your impression as well about Caden Salter and the way he in particular has handled the fact that he's a part of this offense, but he's leaned on the offensive line. And uh, the takeaway I had from his comments after the win on Tuesday at Western Kentucky is the fact that the offensive line, it seems like, particularly Xavier Gadlin, but you could even put Brandon Schlittler in there. who's hung around the program despite his injury. They've helped Salter grow as a leader and it's helped this offense reach a new level. Yeah, I mean, the offensive line's been key, and I think the consistency up front has been a, a bigger key when you've got the same five guys pretty much out there. I mean, they've rotated in one or two others, but they've really come together as a unit. I think as games go on, you see the offensive line start to impose its will on the other team. Uh, they've really embraced this offense and the scheme and the way I mean, Jamie Chabble's offense has kind of been the same uh, in principle everywhere he's been but they, with the athleticism that's on this offensive line and at quarterback as you alluded to, they've been able to tweak a couple of things scheme-wise uh, to, to their advantage uh, just the way that they've been able to, to run some of the offense with the, the quarterback runs and even some of the run plays to the outside so uh, it's been certainly a big part of what they've been able to do And if you look at Caden Salter, the way that he's been able to use that uh, cannon of an arm that he has and rifle the ball down, push the ball downfield, I think it's 15 of his 18 or uh, so touchdown passes. The majority of his touchdown passes have been of 20 yards or more. It's been very impressive. Nick, a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you much for your time today in the fast lane. Look forward to uh, seeing what happens on Saturday at Williams Stadium. Yeah, hopefully I brought enough mojo, guys. Appreciate it. You know, good vibes only from Nick Pierce. Nick Pierce with us here in the fast lane. If you want good vibes going into the game, by the way, the easiest way to go about doing that is at InsaneRadioDeals.com because two tickets, normally 70 bucks, they are just $22.22 for a pair of tickets to Liberty Home Football Games. All three of them, same rate at InsaneRadioDeals.com. When we return, part two covering the Commonwealth. NASCAR, Trey's new BFF. Before that, JMU. And after that, the Washington Commanders. That when we return here in the Fast.